Let's do the welcomes, the welcomes and the whatnots. Ugh. Welcome to Crime by the Bar. Welcome to Crime by the Bar. I'm Yunatan. I'm Anna. And here we are. Yeah, on this glorious Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday, thank you. I- I'm trying to keep my mouth shut now so I don't stumble as I always do. Oh. But it is Tuesday. It is. Mm. We're we're whole two days through a week. I'm so glad. <laughs> well. Friday can't come soon enough. Indeed. <laughs> Vacation needs to come, though. I hey, feel that. It's like another, what, two and a half weeks until you're on vacation? Mm, I think so, and I hope so. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. Ugh. I'm considering just taking a bus to somewhere, maybe Belgium or something, for a random day trip. I, I really don't travel enough around the neighbors here. I was actually, as you were saying, you would. You were considering taking a bus. I was thinking, why don't you just take a bus to Portugal or like hmm. Croatia or Bulgaria or something? Why not? Bulgaria would be a lot of fun. It's I maybe mean, not. Well, I'm not sure how the bus, neither fare nor travel time is over there, but less of a day trip, possibly. Probably less of a day trip. I think that would take <laughs> quite a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. You should take a holiday. Hmm. I will. I will. I will see what happens. Ugh. So, where were we? It's Tuesday. It is Tuesday. Mm. Um, do we want to talk about the theme? I'm not sure. Like, we didn't really talk about the theme that much when we started up. Uh, I, I'm going to say, if you want to, or if you have a feel for it, that's fine. But um, How fitting is yours of the theme? Uh, very. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> um... <laughs> no, this one is very spot on and obvious. Which might be a spoiler in and of itself, but hey. Do you think you're worse this week? I am pretty bad. I will tell you, there is a death. And it's a pretty bad death. Okay. I think you should go first. As well. Mm. I have a bonus one, which is pretty bad. A bonus? Ooh, you have two this week. Um, The the other one isn't... Uh, so I have one this week and then mm. I have one to talk about over drinks because I think you'll thoroughly enjoy uh, it but it's actually worse than my normal one okay yeah that's interesting I actually have one as well that I was thinking of talking over drinks with okay uh, just really briefly but um, that one is really easy so that's fine uh, I have okay. a cocktail suggestion in that case nice I think we should do uh, something that looks like antifreeze okay I'm don't worry, Fair I'm not going to feed you antifreeze. Uh, no, no, I'm just getting worried about your your tail. But uh, yeah, that sounds interesting. And, you know, fresh and clear and shit. Oh, we'll do something really icy and wonderful. Mm. Yeah, I'm all in favor of that. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, so, what did we say? I was probably worse. Yeah, you're probably worst. Okay, then I shall go first. Tell me your story, Jonathan. I'm going to tell you... The sad tale of Michael Anthony Martin. Okay. Uh, affectionately known as Mullet Mick. Okay, I haven't heard of this. Um, I I did mention the country to you, and um, it takes place in New South Wales in Australia. Which is quite funny, because I almost did one from New South Wales in Australia. That is not this one. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And then I was really worried, so I didn't. <laughs> well, in that case, this is new. 
no, to me, like if you have something like mullet mick and then combine it with Australia, then you have a pretty good picture. I'm pretty sure you would be able to guess exactly who it is from, or you have a mental image. That I have a mental him. image. Yeah. He was uh, 46 years old back in, because we're going to the middle of 2014. Hey, okay. Fairly Ooh, recent. It's kind of recent. So I mentioned this is a sad tale because uh, on June 13th, mm-hmm. so almost smack in the middle of the year, something horrible happened. Uh-oh. Hmm. Michael was living in a uh, housing unit in, sorry in advance, Merwillemba. Okay. I think that's approximate. Um, and at this time, his son, Michael Philip Martin, uh, was staying over. Mm. I will be referring to them mostly as senior and junior. That makes it really clear for me. I like that. Yeah. So Michael Jr., he was uh, 28 years old. Uh, He described what happened that night as follows. Sometime around three in the morning, Jr. woke up from someone whacking him on the forehead. Okay. Um, He was dragged out to his father's kitchen where was bound and gagged with uh, gaffer tape. And the attacker, who didn't recognize or know, uh, just told him to shut up or you die. That's horrible. It is not a fun position to be in. Um, So Junior was tied up, left there, and he described hearing, quote, a gurgling sound, which he believed was from his father getting his throat cut. Whoa. He was left there and... After a while, he managed to wriggle out of the home uh, and try to get help. So he was found at 11 minutes past five in the morning Mm -hmm. uh, at the foot of the unit stairwell by a passerby, uh, still bound and generally incapacitated. Uh, When he was freed, he told his rescuer, my dad is up there. They got my dad. I think he's dead. So Martin Sr., had been stabbed or slashed 16 times, uh, including in the heart, the liver, chest, and he had had his throat cut. That's horrifying. Mm -hmm. So the post-mortem revealed um, the wounds were savage, and including a 19-centimeter deep stab wound to the chest, and a 15-centimeter deep wound to his right shoulder. How deep is chest? My chest is pretty deep. Like, if you're talking, like, this is 20 centimeters, I guess. That's almost the whole way through. Um, And it could have been at an angle. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Okay, 19 Um, centimeter deep. And then uh, shoulder? Uh, Yeah, shoulder. Uh, It had basically sliced the top of the shoulder bone off as well. Uh, So it was pretty grim. And very sharp. Yes. The uh, so that was uh, yeah his was Morton. Um, the examination of Junior, however, showed much less severe injuries. Uh, the main thing that stood out was that his injuries were deemed to be very inconsistent with his claims that he had rolled down the very steep concrete steps outside of the home. Okay, so not bruised, not barely damaged or injured, I guess. Okay. So police started investigating this, of course, and things started looking more and more suspicious. 
Uh, there was a witness, a delivery driver, who saw a man walking toward what is believed to be Junior's car between 10 to 5 and 10 past 5 in the morning. And there was also some nearby CCTV footage that caught some glimpses of, um, like, there was some stores, and I think, like a factory or warehouse nearby where they had like glimpses overlapping that cast further uh, doubt on the story. Okay. And they also found out that the gaffer tape that Juno was bound with yeah. uh, was purchased just the day before. Which, I mean, could happen, but... Purchased just the day before by Junior as oh, well. Oh, shit. Mm. Probably not then. A little bit suspicious. Just a lot. Mm. Almost one month after his father's death, mm-hmm. uh, the police were still investigating, of course, uh, but Junior contacted an insurance company uh-huh. to claim a policy on his father. Uh, his claim submission was kind of lacking and confused, uh, so there was a lot of back and forth. Um, I did see one of his letters he wrote, which was a combination of like very... This is probably sounding official like a police report rehearsed things and then kind of nonsense and then signed off. I hope this clears up things. Signed, Michael. But uh, the company asked for a coroner's report, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, which he didn't want to go for first. But eventually he reached out to the police to get it. But by this time, the company was already rather suspicious of it all as well. Makes a lot of sense. Mm. How much was the insurance claim for? We'll get there. Okay. Because during the police interviews, um, Junior was asked about what he in the first statements had or first interviews had described as a little policy he had taken out in his father's name. Okay. uh, Which he also said that he had forgotten to mention to the police in the start. Um, Interesting that he forgot to mention it, but he mm. managed to claim it pretty quickly. Well, I mean, a month... I'm not sure how soon you do these things. I mean, but that's a good point. And yeah. if he's living with his dad and relying on him for things, then... Mm. Oh, he wasn't living with him. He was just staying over those nights. Huh, and it just happened to happen? Hmm. Hmm, so he's not financially dependent on his dad. And uh, no. Okay. Uh, but we'll get more about his uh, situation later as well. <laughs> but even disregarding the timing of it all, it turned out that there were three life insurance policies for his father. Okay. When police found out about the second one, they uh, asked Junior to explain, and he replied with, as a quote, no, I I don't remember taking that out. I didn't know about it. But when pressed on this, he said that, uh, I know it's a lot of money, but it's what dad wanted. Um, He said that his father had felt threatened and feared for his life. And then, as a quote from Junior, he said, Son, I fucked up. I don't want to involve you in this, but I want you and the kids set up when I go. Okay. Yeah. It turns out that he was a little bit more aware than that, though. Uh, So Junior had apparently called One Path, an insurance company, uh, and asked whether uh, he had taken a $1 million policy uh, out in his father's name uh, and checked if that covered deliberate death or suicide. That's oddly specific. Mm. So this phone call was fortunately recorded on the 24th of February in 2014. Yeah. 
during the call, Junior was posing as his father. Oh, dear. Uh, and allegedly he even asked, so that's not deliberate from someone else. That's deliberate from you, right? Oh. Mm. The policy with one password, one of the three, as I mentioned, uh, they were all set up in February and they would have had a combined payout of 2.5 million Australian dollars. Whoa. Yep. So all three of them were made in his father's name, but Junior paid for them with his own credit card and even used his own home address on the contact form. That's really bizarre. Mm. And of course, Junior was the sole beneficiary of all of these policies. Very nice. Mm. So, as mentioned, this the policies were in February. Mm -hmm. So, six weeks and three days after the policies had been signed, mm -hmm. the senior, uh, Michael Senior, Mullet Mick, he was the victim of an apparent home invasion attack. So, that wasn't the first thing? No. Oh. So, this one in April 2014. And after the father senior died it became kind of clear what had happened and as they dug into this yeah because on the 6th of april martin was meeting with the junior junior's wife and their three kids in the courthouse hotel in Murwillumba. the the lunch meeting was supposed to be like a chance to the estranged father and son to reconnect and for the father to meet his grandchildren for the first time which he had never done before. Okay. But instead of what it looks like and what the prosecution later pressed was that um, Junior set the situation up to make sure that his father, who was a well-known alcoholic, was drinking for most of the day. And to make sure that he was drinking later as well, Junior had given him a four and a half litre bottle of rum uh, as a gift. Classy. Mm. So later they alleged that Junior then, during that uh, evening or the early morning the next day, uh, attacked his father when he was home sleeping. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it was a brutal attack, uh, but not like with uh, knives or swords or anything. It was just fists as far as I get it. And it resulted in the father being stuck in hospital on life support for over a month. Shit. Yeah. So police were keeping their eyes on Junior for most of this time, and um, as an after the murder, of course. Uh, at one point, they intercepted a phone conversation and some texts between him and, by this time, his ex-wife, Candace, where he asked her to go to his office. So he worked at the Somerset Regional Council, and he asked her to remove a nine-page-long letter from his desk. Uh, so the letter appears to have been written in February 2015. Yeah. With his ex-wife as the intended recipient. And in it, he basically reflects on the collapse of the relationship. He mentions guilt and blame in not too unspecific ways. Uh, so some excerpts, we'll see if I use all of them, but um, one quote is, I guess it was my guilt that caused me to be at the hospital so much. I was guilty because every time I entered the room, I saw what I had done, what my raw emotion had done, and it hurt me so much. Oh. Uh, or, I guess it was the main reason I tried so hard to finish it then, to put the man that had taken the full brunt of my animal side out of pain. And I feel so guilty for the way I let myself lose control, the animal side got the better of me, 
and he wrote rather specifically that he had a choice that night and I carried through with my plan. Premeditated. Kind of sounds like it, yes. So police arrested Junior in March 2015. Mm -hmm. But he insisted that the letter didn't mean anything, saying, another quote, it's not about what happened, that's all about how I feel. And he tried to frame it as therapy, as a therapy writing exercise, uh, rather than a confession. Uh, But during the hearings and subsequent trial, everyone was pretty on board with seeing the letter as basically an admission of both attacks. Um, But when it came to court, Junior pled not guilty to all charges. Um, The crime prosecutor position that Junior had gone out of his way to like rekindle the relationship with his father, mm-hmm. uh, who was an alcoholic, who had abused him as a child, in order to take revenge and solve his money problems. Uh, so when this started, I think Junior was about in $71,000 in debt. Uh. And not doing too great and having a wife and three kids and all that. So the prosecutor stated by 2013 the accused said he hated his father and severed all ties with his father Uh, the accused had told many people about the abuse he suffered at his father's hand so toward the end of october 2017 Mm -hmm. uh, after almost five days of deliberation the jury found junior guilty of the murder the attempted murder in april and also on one count of grievous bodily harm with intent to a uh, one of his father's friends who was also attacked in april wow yeah and he was sentenced to a minimum of 27 years in prison uh, max of 37 uh, at this time also martin's wife candace martin sorry ex-wife candace uh, she pled guilty to accessory to murder after the fact and grievous bodily harm with intent to murder. Um, So there have been a lot of interviews with her and such. Uh, So she had told the court and police that she, well, she told the court that she had lied to police on many occasions because she feared for her life and safety, um, saying, if I didn't agree, I might be the one who was six feet under, as she said. Maybe that is true, but... Mm, it's possible. Like, looking at this guy, I saw some police interviews as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first one, he it appears that he is pretty good at acting. Yeah. Uh, but it kind of unravels after a bit. But that, and then reading her, like, she was definitely involved, of course. But um, uh, I do think that um, it looked like the media as well kind of tried to paint them in like a duo Bonnie and Clyde spree kind of thing uh, which I don't think was the case it was more she was definitely along for the ride but possibly didn't have too much choice Hmm. but yeah that was sorry did I rush to do that one it felt like it was a bit rushed yeah sorry about that it went fast but uh, I guess it's all the name confusion that I was trying to avoid with a Michael Michael Martin Martin um, but no it it isn't a mystery it's pretty clear-cut what happened hmm. uh, kind of impressive with the amount of and also how can you manage to like set up 
2.5 million dollars in separate uh, insurances like overlapping yeah uh, while pretending to be someone else and uh, working i mean what do you need to set up life insurance you you just need to you need to have enough information mm. on the person whose life you're insuring and he probably had everything there that he needed well this is true but at the same time, considering how much, or at least how many attempts at like insurance fraud there are, yeah. and I've seen a lot while digging around, I would think that they would investigate more before allowing it. But maybe that's just something they do before they need to pay out. I, yeah, I guess they don't really need to um, cross-check with other companies to see mm. what policies have been taken out. Yeah. But... Uh, but yeah, it was a short one, but it kind of stood out to me because of, well, the amount and partially the sloppiness, but also how he managed to get away with it the first time, kind of. Like, he didn't succeed, but like if his own father even didn't suspect anything there. That's really sad. Yeah. But I guess parents don't want to believe the, the worst in their kids. I mean, this is true. you don't want to believe the worst in anyone that you're close with, do you? True. Like true. friends or family or anything. Mm. Um, so Junior Martin, right? Mm -hmm. Um, he took out all of these things yeah. for Mullet Mike, mm -hmm. claiming to be Mullet Mike. Yep. Okay. But using his own details. Which is really strange. Mm. I wonder, like, even if the death hadn't have aroused suspicions for other reasons, mm -hmm. if it would have even got that far because it's sort of like, dude, seriously, these are really dodgy. Yeah, I, I mean, you would hope so, but... I wonder I if know. there's a policy for uh, police to inform, or for insurance companies to inform police whenever insurance claims are over a certain amount for life insurance? I don't think so. I think it's the other way around. The police checks if they think it's something suspicious, because, like, as mentioned as well, they wanted the coroner's report and stuff. Like, the insurance company gets the info from the police, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure that if police are thinking that okay something dodgy might be happening they just check with the insurers and yeah. that's an assumption I'm, I'm not sure for certain in the u.s you have to uh you can't take out a life insurance policy on someone unless they've signed off on it as well hmm. so okay. which with them with some of the crimes i read about i was kind of surprised so i guess there's a lot of forging going on hmm. because you hear about people taking out life insurance on their exes and then hmm. It's like, well, no. <laughs> a lot of the ones that I saw, especially from before, mm -hmm. uh, but not so old that they were relaxed. They still needed like co-signing, but a lot of people where they managed to get people to sign on. Yeah. But they just didn't read it. So like, no, no, but th this is exactly what you asked for. And then they had s set themselves as the sole beneficiary and the people didn't read the terms and conditions. Ooh. And... They were surprised when they were informed about this. I guess it's difficult whenever you uh, trust people and you you don't really want to be checking everything. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was my crime. It it was quick, but it was quick. It's a Tuesday. What can you do? Yeah, rush through this week. <laughs> that that's why it went fast. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> I have my mindset on Friday. Uh, let's get a jingles top up. Mm, good plan. Okay, jingles. We'll be, we'll be right back. Okay. Hello again. Hello. Mm, we're back. 
We're back. And and really warm. Really, really warm. Mm-hmm. But we shall get a refreshing, not as cruel crack. What's mine worse, by the way? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Mine's kind of quick as well. Mine is from New Jersey mm-hmm. in 2003. Oh. Mm. Okay. It's not super old, but not super new. No, it's the elusive decade. The elusive decade. Yes. Okay. So, Wednesday, the 11th of June, 2003. It's in Tinton Falls in New Jersey. Hmm. So, Derek Nicholson, who's... Oh. Yeah. I was just going to ask if we would have a question, but we're just launching. No, you haven't heard of this. Oh, okay. Definitely <laughs> Fair not. enough. Like, no one's heard of this. Oh. Unless you're from New Jersey, you've not heard of this. Breaking, breaking, not breaking news, breaking crime? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 sorry. Uh, Derek Nicholson, 31. Mm-hmm. Um, he applies for a $3 million insurance policy on himself, listing oh. his 25-year-old girlfriend, Nicole Nahel, as the beneficiary. They already have two kids, and Nicole is eight months pregnant with their third. Okay. Then on the same day, uh, Derek purchases two prepaid cell phones under the names Jacob Milsner and Michael Way. Huh. Mm-hmm. So fast forward a bit over a month. It's now Tuesday, the 22nd of July, 2003. Um, Derek has now been issued with a $1 million insurance policy. So it's not what he was asking for, mm-hmm. um, but this is what they're willing to, to put on him. Mm-hmm. And he gets the acceptance on the Tuesday. Um, By Thursday, the 24th of July, uh, Derek used the cell phone under the name Jacob Milsner to book an Amtrak train ticket from New York to California. It's a return trip Mm -hmm. um, under the name of Anthony Jackson. I'm going to lose track of all of these names, just so you know. Uh, I guess you don't need to know too much about the names. Basically, it's good that you're saying them. I'm just letting you know that if there's a question, I won't be able to answer. No, that it doesn't matter. Um, basically, he has two cell phones in made-up names, and he books a train ticket um, to the other side of the country in mm-hmm. another made-up name. Mm-hmm. Because, as far as we can tell, there is no Anthony Jackson. Okay. Two days later, on Saturday, the 26th of July, um, Derek and Nicole decide to spend the day at the beach. However, things go wrong when Derek paddles into the sea in a pair of cut-off shorts. He goes swimming, but at some stage, Nicole loses sight of him, and Derek is nowhere to be seen. Hmm. She alerts the lifeguard. Sorry, Coast Guard? Lifeguard. Lifeguard and then the Coast Guard, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um they begin to search for him, but they, they can't find any trace of him. Nicole is, bearing in mind, she's like nine months pregnant at this point. Yeah. Um, she follows their advice and reports Derek missing to the police. Another two days after that, so the 28th of July, Nicole gives birth to their third child. So it's been super busy. Mm-hmm. Um, by, <laughs> by Friday of that week, so we're now up to the 1st of August, um, and it's six days after Derek has disappeared. Nicole yeah. makes a claim with the insurance company. Um, they are really, I mean, in her opinion, not that helpful. Um, basically, they tell her that without a body, it could take up to 12 years to settle the claim. Mm-hmm. So she's understandably pretty upset. They've been together for quite a long time. This is their th- third kid that's just been born. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not here. 
you know, she's not really left in a very comfortable situation. Um, so this is where things get kind of interesting. The following day, on Saturday the 2nd of August 2003, an anonymous call is made to the Seabright Police Department in New Jersey using the Jacob Milsner phone. So the phone that oh, was used yeah, yeah. to book the train tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, the call is to report the sighting of a body on, on the ocean matching uh, the physical description of Derek. Oh. And the call comes from a man on a train in Illinois. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, still with the insurance, there's no luck. There's no body. Okay, great. There's been a reported sighting, but don't know. Also, is a body really going to be intact a week later? I find that really unlikely. It depends on the conditions, but, um, no water would be tricky. I, yeah. But, but at the same time, they have been jumping pretty quickly on this, like with the claim as well, because... If there hasn't, I, I get that, yes, like 12 years without a body, that's a long time and a lot of hassle, especially mm-hmm. for legitimate cases, not saying whatever this is. Um, but I would assume that he would not have been pronounced dead in, you know, nope. in absence yet. Not so yet. That no. is rather early to jump on and try to get a claim. No death certificate, no anything. And yeah, yeah this is Saturday the 2nd after he disappeared on uh, Saturday the 26th of July, so hmm. it's pretty... Yeah. Rushed. Yeah, kind of. Hmm. Um, to make things even more interesting, another two days after that, so we're up to Monday the 4th of August, mm-hmm. uh, Derek shows up oh. in New York with amnesia, remembering nothing of the incident. Okay, then. Uh, also, <laughs> he shows up fully dressed, despite going missing in his cutoffs, Um and at a certain point, he claims that he was kidnapped, but he's not really sure. Hmm. Yeah. So the insurance company and the police are somewhat suspicious. <laughs> they <laughs> no shit. Yeah. They start looking into the disappearance and the reappearance. And by the 12th of May, 2004, um, so this is, yeah, almost tw- nine months later, Derek and Nicole, who are now married, so yay, good for them, hey. um, if you're into that are arrested for insurance fraud and making a false distress call. Um, So they're held separately at the police station. Evidence on the phone calls made from the prepaid cell phones Mm -hmm. um, to Nicole are shared because apparently the same phone call, the Jacob Milsner phone, Mm -hmm. used to report the sighting of the body and used to book the train tickets. Uh, During the disappearance period, that was getting phone calls as well. Um, And it... It, it just, it looks dodgy as anything. Um, Derek quite quickly confesses. He says he planned to fake his death with Nicole and said he was going to lie low in LA for a couple of days following the disappearance. Mm-hmm. Nicole initially didn't admit to anything, but after two hours and pleas from Derek, she confesses, um, both by interview and in writing. Um, <laughs> later on, they will say that the confessions were all coerced. <laughs> So by the 1st of December 2004, after an eight-day trial, and originally we expected it to take two to three weeks, so it was actually kind of quick, mm-hmm. um, both were found guilty. And following 15 minutes of jury deliberation, so compared to yours, it was super quick, yep. um, they, yeah, they were found guilty on both counts. Sentencing didn't take place for another couple of months. 
Uh, it was by May 2005 that Derek was sentenced to five years in federal prison. The maximum would have been six years. Um, he was also ordered to pay $5,000 in fines and almost $25,000 in restitution, although I'm not sure if that was to the Coast Guard, the lifeguard, the police, the insurance company, huh. or whatever, but it's a lot of money. He actually yeah. somehow managed to pay that off right away, but no idea where that came from. Okay. Um, Nicole was only sentenced to 18 months, but it was downgraded from the 40 to 50 month range because of their three children, mm. um, one of whom had autism. And... She then filed for appeal on the 2nd of June 2005, complaining that the confessions were coerced, they manipulated her, um, and that really none of this was her fault. Uh. The appeal did not seem to fly. <laughs> I read the court documents. It was very interesting. Okay. Um, but that is my very quick story this week. Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's not too elaborate, and it is kind of obvious how they first crushed it and then realized oh shit we're not going to make the money how can we reverse this so i can come back and you know provide in another manner like he showed up in a different outfit mm. having gone on holiday for a week while his wife gave birth essentially that is the thing like the timing of it since both of them appear to very obviously have been in on it yeah like, why would you time it so you miss the birth and that particular moment? It, it definitely wasn't on purpose. He applied for the uh, insurance on the 11th of June and it mm. didn't come through until the 22nd of July. 22nd it's of July terrible. was a Tuesday. He disappeared on the Saturday. Yeah, but so like if why your would you, why would you wait? partner is that far gone into the pregnancy as well, that's not the best you know, time to just disappear if you're planning on sorting I don't know. That. I think there are enough men out there that uh, really don't have much involvement in that side of things that it's probably a nice excuse. <laughs> okay, then. Um, I, I don't hmm. have much, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of curious, actually, now to see how it would look with them. Um, it's okay. He took out the life insurance. Mm -hmm. He was convicted of the fraud thing. He paid back and he's in prison. Is the insurance he paid for invalidated after that, or is that still technically going? Only if they kept paying it, I guess. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, if they did, like, say that they did do that, and then he was killed in prison or something. I don't know. I'm kind of curious what to, would happen. Yeah, I wonder what happens if you uh, get killed in prison if you've had, if you have life insurance mm. on you. I think in general, it must... It, it must kind of be valid still because, well, unless you do an update uh, or as long as you take out the insurance before you um, go to prison, because I can imagine the premium might be a bit higher if you're already in prison. But no, just thinking of having actively tried to defraud them. Yeah, maybe. I reckon one of the questions is probably going to be, are you involved in illegal activity? Something mm. like that. I'm sure most insurance forms have something mm. like that on it. Are you involved in illegal activity or something? And if you say yes to that, I imagine you're rejected or the premium goes up. Mm. And if you say no to that and end up in prison, then it doesn't matter whether or not you claim you didn't lie. You've been found guilty. Mm. So you are involved in illegal activity and you lied on your form. And then it's invalid. <laughs> I've, true, I've true. read so many uh, stories about 
claims that have been rejected now over the last couple of days that okay. I think that's how they would do it. Hmm. Have you read about how they deal with um, claims generally when there's a suspicious death involved? Um, so like suicide, typically they will pay out if it's after, uh, if it's two years or more after the insurance policy was taken out, unless there's something explicit. Yeah, I know. Is that in, um, I did look in up the US, a little bit in typically. the US. Yeah. Okay. Because it's a similar thing in uh, Japan as yeah. well. Uh, I think it was two or three years in Japan, uh, which makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Mm. Um, there are certain policies that will explicitly say they don't pay out under those circumstances, but the problem becomes, um, proving that it was an intentional death then. Mm. Um, so there was one case of a guy who had written a suicide note and then two hours later died in an automobile accident. And mm. there was some debate about whether or not it was, um, a coincidence or whether, it was a suicide hmm. and in the end the insurance company did have to pay out because they can't prove his state of mind two hours after he wrote the note was the same hmm. because the circumstances you know it could have been anything it could have just True. been uh, a regular road traffic accident um i also thought um mm -hmm. We like yes, we've been. I mentioned the Japan thing. Uh, I've been checking out a lot of insurance-related things this week, and I was reminded. I just want to call that out because I was reminded of was the name Darwin. Ah, Peter Darwin. Yes, yes, our I, canoeist. I kind of stumbled on that case again, but I've forgotten the name and thought, oh, Darwin. Darwin. I would have known this if I heard it. And then reading again, really fascinating. Like, wait a minute, I know We've this. We've done this. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, sort of done it. One. Yeah. Uh, but to be honest, you told it way better than anything I found on the net. So. Thank you. That was recalled from memory, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was remember. a random you, side you note. You put it up as a bonus one, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It was a good one. Well, I have a bonus one tonight, mm -hmm. but an Irish-American. Ooh, with a really good nickname. Better uh, than Mullet Mick? I think so. Ooh, I'm Maybe. getting outclassed on so many fronts. Uh, come on, where are you? There. <laughs> um, Michael Malloy, Ooh. known as Mike the Durable or Iron Mike. I mean, both of those are brilliant separately, but having both of them for the same person is kind of good. Yeah, he was badass. Sort of. mm -hmm. Well, um, he's from Donegal, so yeah. Um, he's from my county. <laughs> that is a natural badassery level, just from that. Obviously, anyone from County Donegal is badass. Even mm. if you're a shithead, you're a badass. No, I, I don't know. He's he's <laughs> from he was born in County Donegal and he moved to the US, mm -hmm. and yeah, he ended up uh, homeless, and um, he'd previously worked as a firefighter and during that time had acquired some pretty shitty friends so working as a firefighter yup okay i know not the connection i would have gone for but no shoot um no let's let's have a drink um inspired by iron mike oh yes um, we need the uh, not paint thinner antifreeze antifreeze yes let's have an antifreeze slushy Perfect. You can watch me make it so you know there's no antifreeze in it. I trust you. You know, if you drink antifreeze, you're not supposed to try to throw it up. Oh, this I know. Yeah, good. I don't remember what you can actually do to help it, but I definitely remember. Do not milk? throw up. Is it milk? 
possible milk helps for a lot of things. Antifreeze, like uh, curry. Okay. Let's go make a drink. Let's go make a drink. Yay. We're back. We're back with a lovely little slushy concoction. Antifreeze slushy. Yes, it's... It looks really refreshing, but I keep hearing the word antifreeze in my head. I, so. I, I don't know. I kind of <laughs> love this as antifreeze, don't you? Mm. Um, shall we cheers and try it? I think we should. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Don't drink it too fast. You will get brain freeze. Mm. <laughs> I got a lot of slush in that one. Whew. If I'd have time, mm. I would have put it back in the freezer so it's pure slush. Ah. It's it ta- it reminds me of an alcoholic version of this slushies you used to get as a kid. You know, whenever you get like the red one or the blue one, and mm-hmm. no one really knew at that point that red was strawberry and blue was raspberry. Um, at least with us, they didn't. That's a weird thing. Why blue kind of is okay for raspberry? Mm. Because like I never actually had any uh, proper slushies as I was growing up. It was mostly when I reached adulthood. Um, But we had a couple of things back home. For instance, there were some weird like sodas uh, that they had. And one was completely blue and tasted raspberries for some reason. So apparently that's okay. I don't, I don't get it. I Mm. really don't get it. I'm also sure that my mom asked me that at some point and I was like, because blue raspberry is a thing. And well, you obviously know. Well, I obviously don't. I don't tone. know what I was talking about. <laughs> is my tongue blue? Nope. Okay, we'll see how it goes. Um, this was really, it's really good for this weather as well. Mm. And I like it. I think I'm going to like it even more once I get through the ice layer, though, because you don't like the ice layer. I, I like it, but I'm getting uh, it feels like I'm not getting the full flavor experience, and I'm mostly trying to not crunch too much on mic as well. I, I feel like it should all be slush. I don't know why you're trying to get through the ice layer. It's I'll put it back in the freezer when I get to the non-ice layer. Um, okay, I'm going to explain to you why we're drinking this. Oh, please do. Um, so, I came across a story that it wasn't a particularly well-timed um, insurance thing, but it was um, quite an interesting insurance thing. So, okay. um Taking you back to January 1933, um, this guy, Michael Malloy, uh, a.k.a. Iron Mike, oh, a.k.a. Right, right. Uh, what was it? Mike the Durable. Yes. Um, I wanted to say Iron Hamster for some reason. but yes. The Iron Hamster. <laughs> yeah, he, he was living in the Bronx, New York, and he'd fallen on some hard times. So he was an alcoholic and he was homeless. And there were five guys who he was acquainted with who really didn't have his best interests at heart. Basically, <gasps> you know what it is. I think I know this one. I, I think a lot of people know this one, but I also yes. think it's such a great one. And <laughs> I didn't know this one that I wanted to, to share it. Um, Please share it. It's a good one. Okay. So um, <laughs> these dodgy acquaintances decided they were going to try to um, get the life insurance from Iron Mike by getting him to drink himself to death. Um, so... The, the five guys were called Tony Marino, Joseph Red Murphy, um, Hershey Green, Daniel Kreisberg, um, and Francis Pasqua. Um, they were 
it was really sensationalized at the time and it was they were later referred to as the murder trust um, <laughs> now he was already an alcoholic so getting him to drink himself to death is actually kind of hard because his tolerance was pretty well built up and if he was going to die from alcohol poisoning then it probably would have already happened um because he could drink um <laughs> step one get the life insurance taken care of which they did um they found a dodgy insurance agent and uh they they basically were going to get more than three and a half thousand dollars if mike died um mm. to split between the lot of them um so it, it wasn't a lot of money but to them it was you know and more back then and it is a sizable thing if they can just get him to fall down yeah um it's around eighty thousand us dollars in uh, today's money Hmm. So it's it's a decent chunk. And this is if he died an accidental death. So no one's allowed to shoot him in the face. Um, Tony had a speakeasy. Bear in mind, yeah, 1933. Um, and strategy number one was to give Iron Mike unlimited credit so he could drink himself <laughs> to death. Um, but yeah, Iron Mike already drank most of the time that he was awake so it wasn't really an issue and he just drank and drank and drank and was you know his usual self um so tony decided to substitute his liquor for antifreeze hence this cocktail um and yeah mike the durable didn't notice um and still managed to get pleasantly messed up so yeah, he he would just keep drinking until he passed out and then he would wake up and then he would go back and have some more drinks and sometimes it would be antifreeze and sometimes it wouldn't be. But somehow he was fine. No one really understands how. And if you ever read any guidance for what to do if you drink antifreeze, like it's it's a serious thing and I have no idea how he survived. The, the, but apparently you need to drink more. I don't know. Like the the crystals get into your blood or something and then it messes with I don't know. I'm sure I read a whole big scary thing in it one time. Um anyway, so they decide to swap out the antifreeze for turpentine. Um, same thing. Fine. Drank and drank and drank, passed out, came back for some more, uh, and then had more alcohol or turpentine. Um and yeah, it went on. Next thing they gave him was horse liniment, which is like heat rub you know that um the heated gels you get if you've got yeah, back pain yeah. or something basically that for horses um it does have a basis of alcohol though so <laughs> that's uh, good enough for mike <laughs> yeah apparently mike the durable and his wonderful wonderful iron liver processed that shit and he was fine um but so i'm so curious but co compared to like okay start off with antifreeze then turpentine the liniment, while probably not good for you, it doesn't feel like a step up as a horse, or is it? I don't know. You're you're eating or consuming a self-heating product that's pretty grim. Yeah. For some reason, <laughs> the turpentine didn't seem that bad to me. Antifreeze seemed like the worst. Yeah, I think so, too. But yeah, yeah. But yeah he was fine, uh, possibly because it was based on alcohol. <laughs> um, so finally, they decide to put in some rat poison. And still he's fine, somehow. Um... So the the group then decided to get creative um, and tried to give him raw oysters that had been soaked in wood alcohol. Again, it was kind of fine. Um, again, it's, yeah, it's, it's basically just methanol. It's, it's not, 
particularly exciting. Um, but the <laughs> but not particularly good for you either. <laughs> no, you'd think not. But this guy's put up with a lot, and apparently he's okay. Mm. Um, basically, Francis had once said he he saw a guy after die after eating oysters and whiskey at the same time. Mm. And to that I say, you've never been to Ireland. Um, <laughs> but then they just start getting a bit like Home Alone creepy with shit. They did a sandwich with spoiled sardines that were mixed with poison and carpet tax. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, which didn't work. Um, so then they decided that this guy, Iron Mike, probably has an iron stomach and they should probably try to stop poisoning him and see what else they can come up with instead because all they're doing is uh, wasting a shitload of alcohol in the speakeasy. and A lot of money. I would like to see what his tab was like by that time. I wonder if it approached the three and a half thousand they were like to profit because like this stuff, I mean, it takes time and effort and I mean, a little bit of creativity at least. Mm. Um, so yeah, the next thing they tried was um, they went back to the alcohol. They let him drink and drink and drink. And as usual, he passed out. And this time they decided to drag him out on a night that was freezing cold, actually below freezing, actually mm. minus 26 degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. Um, which is minus 14 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, which means nothing to me. Um, yeah, they they dumped him in the snow and then they poured 20 litres of water on his bare chest, which is around five gallons. Um, and he somehow survived it and came back and had more drinks the next day. Well, he needs to warm up. Apparently so. Mm. So next... They got Hershey to hit him with his taxi, um, which was going at 45 miles an hour, which is 72 kilometers an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and this time, Mike the durable was not so durable, and he ended up in the hospital um, where he stayed for three weeks, recovering. Um, the group assumed he was dead, but no, he wasn't. He was fine, so they couldn't collect the policy. Um, and... <laughs> Ian appeared at the bar. So uh, the next attempt, they decided... Now, bear in mind, this was all done in like a month. Mm-hmm. This was this took, or, <laughs> took place over the course of like six weeks. Um, so next attempt, February uh, 1933. He passed out and the guys took him to uh, Joseph's room. That's Joseph Red Murphy. Uh, they took him to Joseph's room and put a hose in his mouth that was connected to the gas jet. They turned it on and he did die. Mm. So Iron Mike died from, uh, officially, from carbon monoxide poisoning. And sure enough, he was pronounced dead of um, pneumonia Mm. and was buried pretty quickly, so no one really had a chance to look into what the story was. The murder trust managed to uh, collect the insurance money but they did not um divide it evenly and yeah police started hearing rumors in the speakeasies of iron mike being screwed with mm. and heard all the stories about all the things they'd done to him um so they ended up exhuming the body and having uh iron mike examined sure enough it seems like this these rumors are true mm. um so all five men were put on trial and they were convicted we had one Hershey, the one who hit, hit him with his taxi. He mm. went to prison. The other four were sentenced to death and executed um, at Sing Sing <laughs> by electric chair. 
and three of them have the same death day and one was uh, executed a month later but it's oh. it was like 18 months between the death and them all well not even it was 14 months true but that's it Iron Mike Iron Mike <laughs> I did not remember the uh, sentencing or what happened there but uh, mostly the yeah all the ways they try to kill him and tossing him in the snow and all that stuff yeah how did you know about this how cool is it well I mean it's horrible but it's like yeah apparently he could it's a good story stories travel yeah. I honestly don't remember where I've heard of it to be honest Mm-mm-mm. double honest um Hmm. Are you enjoying your cocktail? I am. I've tanked through mine. And it kind of has the perfect... Um, antifreeze quality? Yeah, I'd yeah. say so. <laughs> I like the antifreeze. Mm. Huh. It kind of works perfectly in this glass as well, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Mm. Um, we're having our blue uh, alcoholic slushies in a margarita glass. Mm-hmm. Which I thought I wouldn't use at all, but um, I've been doing loads of uh, frozen daiquiris and mm-hmm. slushy cocktails, and I think it's, I think it's good. I'm all in favor. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's we've um, we've had an efficient Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> and that's what we're going for. Yep. Uh, so, do you have any more crimes in your back pocket, or are we rounding off? I feel like I had more, but I can't remember. Like there. There were some other really good ones I came across, but some that were also really famous. So I didn't really want to. I think it's fair to say we try to avoid doing the obvious ones. Yeah, true. Um, no, we don't have to do more. Oh, no, this one I really loved. Um, <laughs> not just because the uh, headline article or sorry, the headline for it was teacher gives students A for arson. Um <laughs> And the story is essentially about a high school chemistry teacher called Tramisha Lashen Fox, who made a deal Mm. with two students who were failing her course. Basically, if you set fire to my car, I will give you an A. Huh. um, For insurance fraud. I I will just say that I really hope that they were so bad at chemistry that they didn't actually manage to start a fire in the car. Uh, I don't think they did a very good job. So she left the car unlocked <laughs> in a local mall um, when she and her daughter were inside watching a movie. And the plan was that um, the high school students were were just going to set it alight whenever she was in there. Mm-hmm. What actually happened? Basically, she bought the car on credit and it was on the verge of being repossessed. Oh. And she was caught because there were a whole bunch of phone calls between her and the students before the car went up in flames. Hmm. And But yeah. they did manage to torch it, at least. I think so. Oh. Well. I mean Do we know if the students it, actually in. got an A as well? She was fired, so I don't know that it would have stood. <laughs> she only had to serve ninety days though. She had to write an apology letter to the school district. Um she had to repay more than four and a half thousand dollars to her insurer, give up her teacher's license and perform four hundred hours of community service. Mm-hmm. I okay no I was going to say that I actually thought the like teaching license thing was a bit harsh considering the crime but involving students in crime is yeah that's a good reason yeah the 
the judge, district judge Denise Collins said, you were a teacher. You should have never been in that position ever. I can't imagine someone who would just throw it all away for a car, mm. which is kind of a fair point. Yeah. I mean, if she would have just torched it herself, that would have been fine. Like, okay, fine. She needs to pay back and the insurance pay and all that. But um, I don't think it should have been harsher than that, though. Oh, well, 90 days is no time at all, really. Mm. Well, I mean, if you have a kid as well. Oh, come on. I'm I'm so sick of people using kids as an excuse for <laughs> getting lighter sentences. I mean, just because you've reproduced, that, that, that doesn't prove anything. All it proves is that you're fertile and, you know, either a good or a poor planner, depending on how it happened. Like, I wasn't going to say that she would get, uh, that she should get a more lenient sentence. What I was going to say that... If she really loves her daughter and she's young, then she it might have done it feel, in the first place. I'm just saying it might feel as longer with 90 days. Yeah. I, I'm just trying to make it look like she's more punished than she was. I think the, the shitty thing is where kids are involved. I don't think the kids should be punished for it. True. But at the same time, um, I think that's the worst excuse in the world to go. I'm a parent, therefore I deserve leniency. It's like, no. excuse me. Speaking as a I parent. Have, like, as... As someone who has chosen not to procreate, I feel like my selfless opinion is more important than, <laughs> like, I think people should do, you know, what they want, but they should take responsibility for their own actions. And uh, whenever I'm saying do what they want, I mean, if you want to have kids, have kids. Great. But but don't wheel them out and go, oh, but I have kids to take care of. No, no, no. You did the <laughs> shitty thing. And if you're a shitty person doing shitty things, then your kid is probably better off with you not being around them. Mm. Anyway, sorry, that's my rant. That is a, that's a rant. Anyway, um, A for arson. Mm. <laughs> I, yeah, there was also a really interesting one in Toronto I came across. Mm. And there's one that, so the crime I did tonight wasn't my original crime. Mm-hmm. The 1970s one? Yep. I was considering if I should comment on that or not. But. Um, I am going to do that for a mystery episode. Oh, interesting. Yep. It's a fencing. Um, As in on the fence thing, if it's solved or unsolved. There are a couple of components. Ooh. And yeah, it's, it's unsolved, I guess. Well, I'm looking forward to hear it on a Friday in the future. Yeah, not this Friday different one this friday mm -hmm. as you know but yeah possibly i mean you do tend to change things a lot so. i do change my mind a lot i, I really <laughs> need to stop changing stuff last minute um, well, i mean looking from the bright side this just means that you research way more crime so you basically have a buffer yeah i do i guess which i do not oh <laughs> okay but we should say goodbye for this lovely tuesday we should um we should run off the Tuesday, everyone should get to bed, make the weekend come faster, and then we'll, you know, talk at you more on Friday. Sounds wonderful. Mm -hmm. So if you have, uh, well, everything here is pretty clear cuts and no theories, but if you have questions or suggestions, you can always hit us up on Twitter at Crime by the Bar. And we've received some lovely emails. Please keep mm -hmm. them coming. Crime by the Bar at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. We do appreciate that. And if you want uh, extras or photos or hey, just a nice URL to make your homepage, go to crimebythebar.com.
If you would like to support us on our future endeavors, you can check us out and our longer episodes with all of the extras that our regular listeners don't hear mm-hmm. at patreon.com forward slash crime by the bar. Indeed. And that's it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so we wish you a good night, good week, and we'll talk to you on Friday. Talk to you on Friday. Bye. Bye. This is a very clumsy household where glasses get tinged and stuff gets broken all the time. And (laughs) to the extent where I broke a dinner plate yesterday, like smashed it on the floor with Kelfie like less than a meter away from my ankles. She didn't care. She turned around, looked at me, looked at my ankles and looked back out the window. (laughs) And I'm like, uh, (laughs) yeah. You raised her strong, independent and situationally aware. Well, it used to be she would hear something smashing and she'd come to see what it was. And that resulted in her being hoiked many times off the floor, um, which I guess isn't very fun whenever you're tiny and trying to find out what all that shiny glass is on the floor. (laughs) But yeah.